break into cybersecurity? There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. September 21st, 2023. Space Tacos coming out the gates hot with a super chat. I didn't even get to say the episode number. Episode 456 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Holler at, at Space Tacos. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Space, Space Tacos, today is the first day of the uh, one-month anniversary or one-month month anniversary of a GRC auditor. Thank you, Jerry, for the tools to get here. Love the work. Love the community. Team live, team silent. Go ahead, Space Tacos. You crush it. You crush it. You crush it. So awesome. All right, everybody. Welcome to the stream. Episode 454 of the Simply Diet. Welcome, everybody, to... Uh, is audio buggy? I hope not. Mods, can I get some... Can I get some love here? Let's see. Bad audio. Bad audio. Bad audio. Uh-oh. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. If you're new here, this is unfortunately not abnormal, but let's get this sorted out right now. Describe mods, can you help me? Describe bad, bad audio. What are we saying? Audio is a bit scratchy. Okay, let's see. I've got this plugged in. I've got some static. All right, let's see. What would be the stat? Let's here. Let us check. Okay. Uh, yeah, restart. Hold on, I sound like a robot. Bro. All right, hold on. Let's, let's sort this out. Let's, let's, let's sort this out. I'm going to, okay, okay. I'm going to reboot my interface. Okay. Here we go. All right. <laughs> Sounds like a robot. All right, is that better? I've rebooted my interface. I, I've rebooted my interface. This is so appropriate too. All right, let's, let's do this. Let's check this out. Hello, test. Audio output is game. No, you're going to have to go off streaming back on. All right. Well, do me a favor. While I'm gone, spoiler alert, talk amongst yourselves. Give you a topic, Dr. Pepper, not a doctor, not a Pepper. Discuss. I'll be back.
One second. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. We've taken it over. How do you like it? We're just going to hold down to the fort for Dr. Gerald Ozier while he is doing his reboot. My name is Eric Taylor, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Thank you so much for joining in on today's episode 456. Thanks for the, the folks that re, uh, called in and said, hey, uh, Dr. Gerald Ozier has definitely got some issues going on today. Um, so we will let him do the reboot. I think. Yep, he is rebooting. Let me know. Does everybody see me? Is this a restream issue? Just in case, I'm going to go ahead and start firing up the CISO series information. That looks like Dr. Gerald Osher is coming back in. We'll just give him a few more minutes and then, yep, here he comes in now. Take care, everybody. Here we go with Dr. Jared Osher again. Well, don't go too far. Let's let's make sure that my audio doesn't sound robotic. How am I sounding, Eric? You're sounding good. You sound good. All right. So, chat. Let me know if I'm sounding good. We'll get we'll get all this uh, sorted out. You guys get to actually see how the uh, how the sausage is made here as I slowly build my <laughs> slowly build my setup in my scene. Let's go ahead and do this. All right, so I think I'll, I'll be in the background if you need me, sir. All right, thank you. All right, all right. So here we go. Ready? Let's check this out. <laughs> Hold on. Just pretend you don't. There's nothing to see here. There's nothing behind the curtain. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> to Simply Cyber Live, part two of September 11, 2023. Shout out to Eric Taylor for coming in, swooping, uh, like sw sliding over from the B-hole chair. Love it, love it, love it. Thanks so much, Eric and Barricade Cyber, for all you do. Thanks, mods. And thank you, Simply Cyber community, for granting me grace and being super chill as we kind of work through some of these production issues. I want to say shout out and thanks to Space Tacos for the super chat. Also, what's up, Jeremy Williams celebrating his one-year anniversary of uh, Simply Cyber Squad membership. Love it, love it, love it. All right, guys. So, let me do this. All right, guys, check it out. I got you're gonna, you're really gonna get to see it because I had to reboot my machine fully, which means I have nothing set up. But that's okay. I've done this uh, 454 times, 456 times. So we got this. It is Thursday. It is What's Your Meme Thursday. I've already teased it out a little bit for, uh, with Linda Richmond, so you guys will get that later on. Um, I want to say really quickly, um, in the next 45 minutes, me, you, Rich64, Philemon, Indy Advent, who was a first-timer, who's now a long-timer, Jenny Housley, all the mods, people on YouTube, people on LinkedIn, people who are like trying to figure out what's going on, um, we're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis of each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So how can you operationalize it to actually deliver cyber risk reduction to your uh, stakeholders? 
We'll be drinking coffee. And if you're new to the industry, if you're looking to break in, what's up, McDalia's Tech Channel? Good to see you. If you're looking to break in, um, believe me, you're going to get massive value from the stream because we're going to be covering topics. We're going to be covering current events. You will be asked in any job interview, how do you stay? Hey, Jenny Housley, one year old. We're doing, we're doing a lot of uh, anniversary celebrations today. I love it. Guys, you're going to be asked in any cyber job interview, how do you stay current? Multiple people in the community, ask them in chat themselves, have been asked. They've dropped the Simply Cyber morning podcast on interviewers' heads and just blown, blown interviewers' minds. On top of that, I've even seen people, um, you know, bring the interviewer into the Simply Cyber community. Epic win. Um, it's just, guys, what we're about here is pushing massive value to each of you and to each other, okay? It's not, this isn't me at the top and you all, like, in the in the audience. We are one collective community, and I'm just part of it, all right? So we're helping each other delivering value. I'm super excited for today's stream. We got some great stories. You can see the Chiron ticking across the bottom, giving a little teaser as to what we're going to be talking about. But before we do that, let me give a shout-out and holla to the stream sponsors, those who come swooping in to financially support the show, and when I have to reboot live, uh, they're there for us too. Barricade Cyber Solutions, helping, they're helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Not only are they able to podcast and deliver education and value to the community and stakeholders, but they are also able to help businesses with cyber attacks that can cause massive issues for businesses and set dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. Guys, Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe that. When you are actively dealing with a cyber incident, if you aren't ready for it, you're going to be like a chicken with your head cut off. It's going to be a hot mess express. All you're going to want is to make the pain stop. It's like calling the fire department if your house was on fire, except digitally, and it's your business, not your house. Check them out at BarricadeCyber.com. Eric Taylor and the, and the Barricade Cyber Group dropping 50 spots on people's heads. Can we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you so much, uh, Barricade Cyber. Guys, giddy up on that. If you want, um, open up your squad emote tray and go ahead and take advantage of all those excellent emotes. Um, Guys, I want to tell you about Panopsi Cyber. Panopsi, another 50 bomb from Eric Taylor. We're going, we're going, we're going ham up in here today. Thank you so much, Barricade Cyber and Eric Taylor. Uh, guys, this may unlock a new emote for the squad memberships. I don't have time to do jaw jacking today because I'm teaching at the Citadel right after stream. But remind me, I have a Johnny Lee. Let me ask the community. I'm going to, I'm going to throw a poll up really quickly. Okay. Just while we're doing this. Um, Jo All right, new e ah, new emote. Johnny, um, hack the planet. Uh, Johnny Lee Miller head. Okay, guys, running a poll for the community really quickly. Um, we might have room for a new emote, right? And I was thinking, you know that, that famous scene from uh, the movie Hackers 1995 where Johnny Lee Miller sticks his head out of the police car and yells, hack the planet? That could be an emote. Let me know in chat if you want to run with that. Shout out and thanks to Panopsi Cyber for their continued support of the stream and of the Simply Cyber community. Get a partner who understands your cybersecurity program and your business goals. Guys, in the world of GRC, you need to know like what your current situation is, where your gaps are of where you want to go, and what is a reasonable information security program for your business. And they're not one size fits all, everybody, okay? Like one size fits all, 
is like for maybe a baseball hat. For your information security program, what you really need to do is have a tailored um, solution and strategy that looks at your business's threat landscape, your overall cybersecurity posture, what the risk appetite really is for the business. And that's what Panopsi Security can do for you. Call them up, get in there, and figure, and you, they'll help you out. Adam V with a one-year anniversary. Damn, Adam V. Tinatini, Sandro Shvili, uh, one-year anniversary. Guys, I love it. Thank you all. Hey, you know what? From the bottom of my heart, thank you uh, all of you that are community members. But like the, the one year anniversary squad members, really, like I, I really hope like what you've seen in the last year and I hope you continue to stay. Uh, really quick, shout out to Logan Akis, hashtag first timer. What's up, Logan? You got a, you got a, hot, a hot show today, my friend. Uh, also, we're gonna talk about anti-siphon, but more about them at the mid-roll. Guys, I wanna remind you, I do not prep for this show. I don't do any uh, research or preparation of any of the stories. And literally, I'm gonna be bringing them up in real time because I had to reboot my computer. I want you to know each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, even when it's a hot mess express, is worth half a CPE. If you have cybersecurity certifications, you know what that means. Go ahead, take a screenshot, hashtag team live in chat, that way your name's there. Hashtag team replay, um, like Stephen Browning over in Alaska. What's up, Stephen? Um, team replay, and if it's your first time here, your very first time, like Logan, let us know in chat, hashtag first timer. I love welcoming the first time people. It's been a while since I turned into live. What episode did you do the MGM hap? I'd like to watch later. All right. So a couple things. Who asked that question? Uh, James. James with the super chat. Did we just become best friends? Yep. So James, we did cover the MGM hack. I saw that there's an MGM hack follow-up story today on it. Um, go back and watch um, Monday, um, Monday uh, September 11th. And, or no, 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 excuse me, James. It was all last week, Tuesday the 12th. And then I believe Friday the 15th, Eric Taylor um, sat in for me. And I believe there was a follow-up, including the Caesars. So uh, the 12th and the 15th, I believe, are the two shows that you're going to want to watch. All right, let's get going. Guys, do me a favor. Do me a favor. All of you beautiful people, sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news. Wash over us in an awesome wave. I'm Jerry. Oh, hold on. Tony Parrish passed his SEC Plus exam yesterday. Tony Parrish. Just straight killing it out here. Love it, love it, love it. All right, guys. So let's get into the news. It's cybersecurity headlines. It's Thursday, September 21st, 2023. Cyber attack disrupted Canadian airports. The Canada Border Services Agency confirmed that a distributed denial-of-service attack caused connectivity issues across several airports last week. This impacted check-in kiosks and gates. The Montreal Airport Authority said these attacks resulted in significant delays in arrivals, although the CBSA said it restored all systems in a matter of hours. The Russian threat group No Name 05716 took credit for the attack, claiming it targeted other Canadian financial and government organizations as well. According to monitored Telegram chats by the group, the attack came in response to continued support for Ukraine in its war with Russia by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. All right. Uh, okay, so a couple things. One, I love the Odysseus uh, move here where the name of the threat actor group is No Name. If you're familiar with your Greek, um, your I guess not Greek mythology, but um, your classic works, um, uh, Homer in the Odyssey, um, 
you know, was fighting a, uh, a, a Cyclops giant and the way he tricked him because he was an idiot uh, was to tell him that he was his, he was no man. Anyways, a little bit of a deep cut. Uh, no name equals flaming donkey. I love that. I love that, uh, BSEC. All right, so guys, Canada is part of the, you know, the five eyes, first world power, Western uh, philosophy. Right now, there's like this big surge. Uh, obviously, Russia's attacking Ukraine. Uh, BRICS is kind of like a non-Western superpower, uh, you know, alliance kind of thing over here, which involves Russia. Uh, so like Russia's on one side and kind of Canada, United States, et cetera, is on, uh, Western powers are on the other side. So it's not surprising. We don't typically think of Canada getting attacked. Uh, but you know what? If um, if you are a first world power and you stand as an adversary, essentially, of what your country's doing, then yeah, you'll get attacked. Um, I'm trying to see what the actual you know impact was. It looks like uh, the connectivity sh issues affected checking kiosks and gates at airports uh, through a distributed denial of service attack. So to me, um, I mean, this isn't like this isn't. We're not we're not like going and raiding walmart's shelves and clearing out all the water milk and bread because of this this is a distributed denial of service attack which i've literally i've covered you know from a a, a lecture perspective multiple times they basically dosed the check-in kiosks at an airport i'm sure there were a few hundred maybe a few thousand inconvenienced uh passengers people maybe missed their travel plans that really sucks but like in the global theater of geopolitical powers and fighting and all this other stuff, um, this is this is like you know no CMs down here in the Low Country. We have these things called no CMs. Maybe you guys call them um, Jesus. What do you call them? Um, Nats, right? You know they're like these little kind of elemental annoying things that like it's not enough to get up and go inside, but it's annoying, right? So you just kind of like swat at them and deal with it. That, to me, that's what this is. This is annoying, but, like, you're not going to take a bus next time. You're still going to fly on an airplane, right? All right, so whatever. Canada gets hit. For my Maple Leaf uh, brethren, go ahead, file this one off if you need to. Uh, also, great distributed. Have a good one, Eric Taylor. Thank you. Uh, great distributed denial of service attack story. Huawei ships chips for surveillance cameras. For the past four years, the U.S. Department of Commerce has instituted various export controls to reduce the capability of Huawei and other Chinese firms to produce their own ships. However, Reuters sources say earlier this year, Huawei's high silicon chip unit began shipping newly created chips to surveillance camera manufacturers. Sources say these chip shipments will have a significant impact on the surveillance market. This comes after Huawei announced a new Mate 60 Pro phone using internally developed advanced chips this August. Although U.S. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo found no evidence Huawei made these chips in any significant volume. All right, here we go. Um, I'm kind of curious. Um, so Huawei, just give me a second because I want to know. Um, I mean, this, there's a bigger there's a bigger story here, frankly. Uh, I just, again, I don't prep or research or read any of these stories in advance, so you're getting hot takes, but um, I do need to look at this one because I think that there's a bigger story here. Okay, so check it out. Huawei is, like, basically, at least the way I see it, it's kind of like Samsung um, in China. Uh, they make technology products, okay? It's, it's bigger than Samsung. 
they make technology products, they make phones, they make computers, and, you know, chip, and now they're making kind of chips and stuff like that. Now, there has been a massive uh, effort by the United States and Western powers, frankly, um, to suppress China's ability to make semiconductor uh, technology, all right? Uh, it, it has to do with, like, this global um, struggle and, and decoupling of the global supply chain and uh, trying to, pre- not prevent, but, like, to, uh, slow down Russia, uh, excuse me, slow down China from overtaking as, like, the wor- the top world power. Anyways, um, and by the way, if you want more information on that, Google, like, Netherlands and Japan, China, semiconductor, look at what United States has been doing, look at the uh, embargoes and export controls around semiconductor technology into China. Okay. Huawei is now shipping these things out. Now, it says surveillance surveillance chips. The reason I wanted to read the story is because I wanted to know if it's, like, for surveillance technology or, like, literally they're shipping chips that go into your phone or whatever, but there's capabilities within those chips around surveillance, which would not surprise me. China... If you see something around espionage or surveillance, right, um, it's not outrageous and it's not a hot take. And I'm not like politically charged or anything to say that um, that's something that China would be into. There's been multiple documented cases, multiple um, examples of, you know, basically authoritative regimes wanting to use surveillance. Um, You see how... (laughs) You see how certain citizens who uh, push back on People's Republic of China, what happens, etc. So anyways, long story short, I suspect this means surveillance, meaning telemetry and and whatnot goes back to some centrally controlled, government controlled uh, Chinese uh, government's back end servers. Again, wouldn't surprise me. The idea, I mean, what you're basically seeing in my mind is a movement into... I don't want to call it Orwellian or Big Brother, but like if all the tech you're using is reporting back how you're using it, then you don't have a lot of privacy or uh, I don't want to say freedom, but you have to use the you basically have to use the tech in alignment with the way that the government wants you to use it versus how you want to use it, which may not always align with the overruling government's um, power, especially when you get into like business maybe mergers and acquisitions, maybe investigative journalism, reporting on, you know, genocide in Northwest China, right? Like these type of things. So uh, James McQuiggan, this guy, this guy needs to get his own private jet. He's always uh, tuning in from 35,000 feet on the road again to Houston, hack the planet. Greetings to any of the students watching today at Valencia College Cyber Ops. Thanks, Gerald. Simply Cyber. Hey, you know what? First of all, did we just become best friends? Yep. Love the super chat. Thanks so much, James. And hey, if you're a student at Valencia College, welcome to the party. Welcome to the party. It's great to see you. You guys are absolutely um, blessed to have James McQuiggan as your professor. That dude is awesome. All right. All right. So enough about Huawei. Basically, but I guess the final thing I'll say to make it operationally valuable from a practitioner's perspective is... If you're buying tech, think about the supply chain. You may want to ask sales vendor X, like, hey, yeah, I know that you're reporting. You got 100% coverage on MITRE attack. First of all, that's silly. Second of all, where does the hardware in your Gigamon firewall come from? Like, where is it? Are you using Chinese tech in there, right? Now, if you're just a 
dermatology clinic and you're and, and you're throwing a uh, firewall into your server closet, which is basically just a, a closet in the hallway. Maybe you don't care if it's Chinese backed with surveillance capabilities type uh, technology, but maybe if you're, you know, I don't know, Lockheed Martin or one of these other larger players with defense industrial base contracts, you may want to um, be careful, okay? All right, let's roll. Signal adds quantum resistant encryption. The encrypted messaging service announced it upgraded its key agreement protocol to post-quantum extended Diffie-Hellman, or PQXDH. This uses both its previously utilized protocol, X3DH, and the NIST-approved post-quantum key encapsulation mechanism, Crystal's Kyber. In a blog post, Signal said it did not want to entirely replace our existing elliptic curve cryptography foundations with a post-quantum public key crypto system yet, but said it believed in Crystal's Kyber as a solid foundation for the future. The messaging service also said this represented an initial move as part of its efforts to offer quantum-resistant end-to-end encryption. All right, so uh, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this because I am not a cryptophile, but as um, you, you just need to be mindful of this, okay? We're very close to Q-Day, okay? Q-Day is when, like, quantum computing uh, goes mainstream, okay? And... When we have quantum computing, which is basically, um, instead of binary, it's trinary, right? Okay. Um, you're going to be able to go and crack existing encrypted um, algorithms because of the compute power. Right now, the reason you can't crack AES-256 is because it's too large a space, and it would take you like 32,000 years to crack it, right? But it is possible. It just takes... A ridiculously amount of long time so it's considered uncrackable right with quantum computing you're going to be able to go faster which takes less time i.e you're going to be able to crack these things which is why um you know people are starting to get concerned two things to know here one signal is all about privacy and end-to-end -end encryption for them to start doing quantum resistant encryption it means it means they're not like implementing a quantum algorithm but they're making it harder for a quantum a computer to crack it within a reasonable amount of time. That's what that means. So that's good, right? You want your privacy communication apps to do this and signals the front runner. In my opinion, I use Telegram. I do use Signal a little bit. I would use Signal more personally if more people used it. But the value here's a here's a really uh, uh, real thing to say. The value of a technology that is for communication purposes is only as valuable as the network that supports it, okay? If you had a cell phone and no, if you had a telephone, right? Alexander Graham Bell has the telephone, but nobody else owns one. It's not really valuable. It's only valuable when everybody owns one and then there's a network of it so you can use it. So signal for me personally, not enough people use it. I can't convince my friends and families to use it. So I use Telegram. And they're okay with that. And like some, and I have to use WhatsApp for one family chat, even though I despise using it. Okay. So anyway, signals where it's at. If you want to use it, definitely recommend it. Uh, and the final thing I'll say is don't, you should keep this in mind. Any communication, I don't care if it's signal communication, telegram, email, network traffic, as you're going to like some kind of CD site on the internet, whatever that captured traffic it can be like it can be saved off and then cracked later when quantum computers, right? So whatever, like me and James are are, are texting um, 
something that we want private right now. Someone grabs it. In two years, they could crack it with quantum computers. You see what I'm saying? So don't think that you, you're, you're safe until quantum computers come out because you can save off um, traffic and crack it later, which I guarantee you first uh, nation states are doing. OpenAI launches red teaming network. The AI giant launched a network to inform its risk model assessments for current and future AI models. The company said this will formalize its existing work with outside experts to benchmark its models. The company will use a wide range of domain experts in the network, with expertise ranging from biometrics and finance to healthcare and linguistics. The network will not replace third-party audits. And now... All right, hold on. I didn't get all that. Um, like, when they said red teaming, I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. Like... They, they're gonna they're gonna do red team exercises they're gonna pen test the crap out of it okay didn't sound like it it's a contracted group of experts to help inform the company's AI model risk assessment and mitigation strategies um so interesting in my opinion this sounds like the appropriation of the word red teaming not the actual cybersecurity implementation of it if I'm reading this correctly um and the idea is to catch biases uh, in the model, which is good, okay? I, I mean, there's a lot of, let's say the red team, okay. So, okay, here's the TLDR on this story. If you're using ChatGPT, you're already using it. So, you know what I mean? Like, so this is just value add for the community um, who use ChatGPT. Like, OpenAI doesn't need to do this but they're doing it uh, and it's value to us. And it's probably a long-term play for them to deal with any kind of regulations that are going to come out in the next three to six months around bias and around perspective. And I, I just want to quickly share with you, if I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull this up. Um, uh, damn it. Um, MIT, I literally, um, I, I literally, I'll, maybe I can do this tomorrow. Like, I literally gave a talk last week, and one of the other speakers was a medical doctor from uh, MIT who's working in their AI lab, and his whole talk was around the learning models that support AI and really the biases and stuff around it and how you got to be careful with it, okay? So like, for example, and just to kind of give one example to explain why you'd want red teaming um, to basically make the models ro more robust and less um, biased, okay? You got to remember like OpenAI, ChatGPT, it's basically just learning on data that's on the internet, okay? So let's just say that Sub-Sahara Africa doesn't have massive amounts of internet, okay? If you ask OpenAI a question about like how to treat some something or a best practice for some general population, it's probably going to be making its assumptions based on first world uh, power societies and, and a lot of the United States, frankly. A lot of data comes out of the US that gets pushed into these models, right? So something that treats a healthy 25-year-old white male may not be the best solution or the best treatment or the best practice for a different demographic. You see what I'm saying? Um, then also there's like, you know, in implicit biases around racial discrimination that has been documented repeatedly. So if you're trying to make these AIs 
useful for society in general, right, for the commons, then it needs to be unbiased, or at least the biases need to be called out and uh, people are aware of them, right? So um, I, I love that they're doing this. I You know what I love? I love that AI is getting more and more, um, I guess, rigor applied to it instead of just the sales and marketing people going ham on like selling it as like the end all be all solution to your marketing, technology, business, data science needs. It's like, they're, they're, and, and by the way, this is why I say we live in the AI age. I truly believe that this isn't just a flash in the pan thing, but this is um, a, a, a societal development, a societal shift in the way we think. And and again, like I wish regulators were moving a little bit faster instead of freaking, yeah, sorry, Kennedy. The speed at which regulators are moving really bothers me. Uh, but I do appreciate that the, um, the, t the big tech people are doing this. Okay. By the way, the fact that they're doing this, I don't, I don't know what it is yet, but I guarantee you the reason they're doing this, straight cash, homie. They're, they're straight cash, homie. There's absolutely no way. Um, so word from our sponsor, hyperproof. It's more critical than ever to focus on strategically addressing risk, but how can you do it when working with limited resources? That's where Hyperproof comes in. Hyperproof is a risk and compliance operations platform that helps you automate evidence collection, task management, and collaboration within your organization so you can focus on what matters most, keeping your company secure by prioritizing strategy, not manual processes. Get a demo at hyperproof.io. All right. Hey, Logan, and every other first timer that's here, I hope you're Hope you're getting value out of the stream. We do this every mid-roll, too. All right, everybody. Holla, 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 holla. Thanks so much for being here. I hope the heck you are enjoying the crap out of this show. Sorry, Kennedy, but I really hope you're enjoying it. Uh, we had a little bit of uh, technical difficulties at the beginning. We powered through it like a boss, and now we're here to straight up um, do the mid-roll. So if you're getting value out of the stream, whether it's educational value, entertaining value, we are doing work here, but work doesn't have to be absent of fun. And we're trying to blend it all up in a, in a, a bullet mixer here. Shake it up, education, entertaining. So if you're getting value, do me a favor, hit that like button right now. Hitting the like button is paying it forward to the community. You're not doing me a service, you're doing the Simply Cyber community a service because people like Indy the other day or Logan today, it's their first time on the stream and they probably found it because yesterday or the day before, I asked you guys to hit the like button. The way the YouTube algorithm works is if a bunch of people that search for cybersecurity content like you is liking this stream at the same time, YouTube algorithm's like, hey, this is probably good for people looking for cyber content. Let's push it to them. And that's how we grow our community, and that's how we continue to kick butt. We hit a new record uh, earlier this week, 388 people live in chat, 388, and another 1,700 to 2,000 on replay. Team replay, straight up love you. Team live, I love you. All right, guys, want to say shout out and thanks to Anti-Siphon Training. Anti-Siphon Training is here to disrupt the traditional training industry by providing high-quality, cutting-edge education to everyone, regardless of their financial position. So believe me, guys, use the link below. If you need to get some cybersecurity training, but you're trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents, uh, Anti-Siphon is where it's at. Go to training, go to the pay-what-you-can training, 
$0 training, whatever you want. Pay what you can. They got a whole list of upcoming courses. Find one that works for you. Hopefully some of you have been taking uh, John Strand's Black Hills training this week. John Strand gets his own emote uh, in the squad tray because he's so awesome. But go there, check it out. Take advantage. They got the PCI training coming up. They got CISSP mentorship. Dude, this place rules. Packet decoding. Let's get into Wireshark. Aha, Jess Bishop talking about Super Chat. Can we just become best friends? Yes. Jess Bishop suggesting Panopsi. Love it, Jess. Love it, love it, love it. All right, guys. We got the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. This is an ongoing effort. I want to say shout out to Stephen Browning. I read his uh, post this morning. Excellent post. You want to talk about a person who pushes through uh, conviction, commitment, determination. Stephen Browning's post for the Simply Cyber Community Challenge has all of that, and he's literally putting in the effort work to make it happen. Jo uh, Rob Linares currently has the baton. Um, Rob is gonna tag somebody, and if he's not available, we are gonna tag somebody as a community. But here's the deal. Go on Simply Cyber. Uh, go on Simply Cyber. If you want your LinkedIn feed to be valuable, full of cyber content and supportive posts, go on LinkedIn, search for this hashtag, as simple as that. Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Then connect with the people using the hashtag and comment on their post. You will get picked up into the feed and connect with all those people, right? It's a Peloton effect. Basically, comment on these posts and then connect with the people in the comments. If everyone does that, believe me, you're gonna supercharge your LinkedIn feed in two weeks time, believe me, Anyone in chat right now who has done this and has seen the impact, please share your experiences in chat. We'd love to do it. Um, I'm still streaming, so I don't know. Guys, really quickly, every single Thursday, uh, uh, Dan Reardon, a.k.a. Haircut Fish, does a meme of the week. Uh, this week, if you have been regular, uh, whenever I have a problem, I always try to like sort it out. This is Mike Myers, Linda Richmond from Saturday Night Live during the golden age of Saturday Night Live. Uh, so this is meme of the week. I don't censor these. I don't review these. It's Linda Richmond. Um, she would do a talk show, and whenever there was something, she was getting verklempt. She couldn't talk. Uh, she would tell the audience to talk amongst yourselves, and then she would give a topic that was always silly, like, I'll give you a topic, Dr. Pepper, not a doctor, or a Peppa, discuss. Right? Or like, talk amongst yourselves, grape nut cereal, not a grape or a nut, discuss. Right? G classic, classic uh, SNL character. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you, Dan Reardon, Haircut Fish, for uh, the continued memes of the week. I love it. I think we're probably over a year of meme of the week right now. So, <laughs> all right, let's keep rolling. Chinese threat group see success with old school hacking. At the MY Security Conference, researchers from Mandiant detailed a campaign by the China-linked group UNC53. This group used malware-laden thumb drives to hit at least 29 organizations. While victims span from across the world, the initial inflection points seem to come from Africa-based operations of multinational organizations. These drives deployed SOGU malware used by Chinese threat groups for over a decade. Mandiant monitored as infections from this malware ramped up, and infections were spreading at internet cafes and print shops across Africa, and then from there, spreading onward. The thumb drives don't try to auto-run the malware. Instead, attackers lure users to click an executable, naming it like the removable media it resides on. All right. 
So I can't pull the story up because Wired's got a um, paywall behind it. But basically, we reported on this um, in July. You can see here, July of 2023, so just a few months ago, um, that there was a spike in USB drive malware attacks originating from China, <clears throat> Chinese origins. There's an update on the story. It's the Sogu malware. Um, they're continuing to push um, USB malware through this. And you can see here, here's another story about it. Uh, here's the deal, guys. It, they're just updating that they're continue they're continuing to find this attack vector in your space. All right, so guys, don't sleep on USB malware attacks. Right? Most people think like, oh, that's so old school. Guys, here's the deal. If you get a USB stick that is infected and you plug it into your computer, you don't have to go through next gen firewalls. You don't have to convince Carl. <gasps> to click on a phishing email, right? If they stick it in, they're gonna, and, and you convince them somehow to like double click or something like that. It's the same as sending an email with an attachment in it and convincing the user to click on it there. It's just delivering a payload to an end user and tricking them to execute it. And when they run it on their machine, they're going to run it under the permissions that they currently have. So guess what? If you're logged in as an admin, you're in, pro you're in trouble because that sucker's gonna log in as admin. So educate your end users about, you know, again, like here's the deal. In our industry, bro, like it's all about consistency, vigilance, conviction. It's why some people can't, don't like it or can't handle it, right? Like you can't just say like, oh, USB malware, be careful. And then like never bring it up again, right? It's constant, it's constant, it's constant. So just make everybody aware of this. This is a continued attack. I don't know um, who exactly they're targeting. Camaro Dragon, Mustang Panda, Flaming Donkey. Um, but uh, Mandian's reporting on it. Oh, here we go. I wish this stupid save your seat button wasn't here because I'd love to look at this. I'd love to check out your infographic, brah. Um, so let's see, you see the USB uh, drive plugs in. Yeah, so BSEC is saying, configure your uh, group policy to not autoplay USBs on installation. Uh, according to the story, Camaro Dragon or, or Flaming Donkey is not actually using auto run. They're convincing end users to click on it. If I had to guess, they're putting something like, um, it, it obviously, it's like threat actors will put something that looks appealing, like financial report or, uh, you know, Bitcoin wallet or nudes, right? Nudes. All right. So anyways, you can see here when you install the USB drive and launch it, it runs a persistence mechanism setting a run registry key. So every time you reboot, it's going to, it's going to load up. Uh, then it's got a payload for spreading. Ew, sour grass. And then... Uh, malware configuration payload. I do appreciate that they use the Google color scheme on this one. Very nice. Uh, set evasive controls on host so that uh, EDR can't find it. And then a backdoor payload uh, for, I mean, they say, here's the thing. They say persistence payload up here, which is setting the run key. So when you reboot, it reloads. But this backdoor is also a persistence mechanism and for C2 traffic. Uh, for those who are new to the industry or just trying to like break in or, you know, you're studying SEC plus CC, whatever it is, like this is actually a nice little case study on the attack kill chain and threat actors. Um, like if you look up cyber attack kill chain, 
try to push through the marketing piece of it. If you look at it and then look at this actual workflow of how this attack works, it actually maps quite nicely one-to-one. -one. Uh, so, uh, you know, whatever, like this is a good one. Also, if you're, this might be a good example uh, in a job interview, if they ask you about um, like, like a perfect example, okay? Like, hey, really quickly, okay? In a cybersecurity job interview, it's not an uncommon question, especially if it's like a SOC analyst role, but it, you can get these in GRC roles and in sec tech roles and stuff too. But like, there's a question of like, hey, an end user calls you and says their computer is kind of doing something funky. What do you do, right? And then they're trying to tease out if you understand kind of like, you know, like incident response workflows and how to interact with the business and really understand your strategy and philosophy around dealing with an incident like that. But that question in various forms is a common question, all right? So having that particular question, typically you might say, well, I mean, normally you would ask for more information, but since it's just a made up case study, you could actually influence it. And you could say, oh yeah, you know what I mean? Um, like study this and then you could be like, Oh, so end user calls. Yeah, you know, I I, sus I suspect that you know something's kind of afoot because the end user told me that they had stuck a USB drive into their computer right before um, they started noticing some unusual behavior. Now I know um, there's a threat actor in China that just recently um, had an uptick of activity around USB drives. I think they're called Camaro Dragon or Mustang Panda, depending on the security technology vendor that you're discussing. But it does, it, it does install a persistent payload by setting a registry key. So we'd want to go check the end user's registry. We'd obviously want to quarantine the machine from the, the network, first of all, to, con to control containment, uh, containment and uh, spreading. But then let's look for that registry key. Let's talk to the end user about what that USB drive looked like. And let's look at the traffic because I know that that Mustang Panda USB attack uh, from SnowDrive uh, establishes a backdoor mechanism, right? So we want to look for that C2 traffic, okay? Even though it's targeting oil and gas, if you're interviewing at a hospital, it doesn't freaking matter. If you drop what I just told you in an interview, you're like the the the... It's going to turn into red from Sanford to Sun. The, the interviewer is going to be like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, ah, so much. Like, when can you start? Okay. Again, I can't promise a job. But my point is you can use current information and map it into these scenario-based questions that you're going to get in job interviews. The thing is you can't just – here's my other thing, and then I'll get back to the story. I'm sorry. You can't just show up and have this playing on in the background, and then when you get the question, how do you stay current, you say, oh, I listen to the podcast – because you need to take things out of the podcast and be able to apply them both at work and in the interviews, okay? This this one right here, perfect. I mean, this thing is tailor-made for blowing interviewers' minds, okay? Also, if you're a practitioner, uh, tell your end users, <laughs> don't stick stupid, don't stick USB drives into places they don't belong, okay? 1Password rolls out passkey support on mobile and for extensions. The prominent password manager announced general availability of passkey support on its Android and iOS apps, as well as on its browser extensions. This doesn't fully replace an account's master password. One password said that support will arrive this fall as part of an end-to-end -end passkey experience across all platforms. The company previously rolled out beta passkey support for browser extensions back in June. All right, I wasn't reading or listening to that because... Uh, I saw Shannon GRC Cyber God yeeting, and I was thinking, I don't know if this is why she did it, but like, 
if a like a user gets a USB drive, you tell them to eat it. Um. Okay. Uh, so one password rolls out public passkey support to its mobile apps. Okay, guys, I don't care if you're using one password, LastPass, Bitwarden, whatever. Giddy up on a password vault. Educate your end users. Run a lunch and learn. Buy some pizza. Whatever it is, get get people up on password vaults. All right. The fact that one uh, password's rolling out some public passkey support. I don't know what a public passkey is. I have to imagine. It's some end user, um, a new login tech that replaces passwords with, uh, okay. Yeah, okay, so like basically, way to go. You can use your face to unlock it or a thumb or something like that. Guys, um, this is a password vault. You absolutely wanna protect the crap out of a password vault. It, the, the, the authentication mechanisms into your password vault are paramount, they must be good. I'm talking like 30 character passphrase, multi-factor authentication. Protect it, protect it, protect it. Have a break glass of in case of emergency one-time password and then put that somewhere safe, like in a vault or, or like a you know an actual physical safe. Um, the one thing I want to tell you about this, it's just coincidental that it is a password manager and this has to do with authentication. But guys, I'm telling you, we as an as an industry, we are moving away from passwords. Passwordless authentication will be more and more mainstream. Now, obviously, legacy tech won't be able to support it, but as new things come out, as we roll out, um, it's going to get more and more passwordless. You know why? I'll give you one word. <gasps> Passwords suck. People reuse them. People uh, share them. <laughs> they get involved in data breaches. People will have crappy ones, right? Passwords are tough, okay? And until we get away from them, until we get away from them, they're going to continue to be a source of consternation for defenders trying to protect systems and data. All right. All right. So uh, just know that, okay? Casino attackers hit three other firms. We covered last week the high profile attacks on MGM Resorts and Caesars Entertainment by the threat group Scattered Spider. Yes, now, Octa CSO David Bradbury disclosed that a total of five of its clients, including the two casino giants, experienced attacks by the group since August. No word on what companies the groups targeted or if they fell into a similar vertical. In the alert, Okta said that these attacks followed a similar pattern, with attackers targeting a victim's help desk to provide employee network access. All right. Um, all right, so Alfie, all right, here's the deal. Okay. Here's the deal. The only thing I'm getting from this story is a couple, I'm getting a couple things from this story. Okay. One black cat, Alf V, you know, they're kind of like, I don't know, cousins, basically a lot of overlap. All right. They are a top tier ransomware threat actor. Okay. Like, just know that. Like, if you're looking for, you know, the, the big leagues, right? The, the pros, Alfie is where it's at, okay? Now, they hit MGM Resorts. I know um, so, somebody earlier in chat with a super chat asked about this. Are we covering this? This has been covered quite extensively in the last week. I know Caesars paid $15 million to get their keys to decrypt. Also, they were given assurance that the data would be deleted. I don't know. Threat actors, we'll see. Um, MGM, I don't know if they paid or not. If someone knows in chat, holler at us. And then three other firms. I don't even know who the firms are, but here's my thing. 
Unique priceless pancake with a super chat. I cannot tell you how much this pod has helped in just four months. The way I think about security has changed and has done nothing but improve my career. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you, priceless pancake. Love it, love it, love it. Love it. Okay, guys, so check it out. Here's what you need to know about this. Okay, threat actors, and I, I know a lot of you already know this, so I'm not pandering or, or mansplaining or anything like that, but it's just important to cover that. When I say top tier ransomware threat actor, I mean that they execute at a high end. They are a professional organization. To hit, it's not a coincidence that they hit MGM, Caesars, and three other firms all at the same time. Guys, if you've ever run a project, right? There's planning, there's dates, get a good night's sleep. We got a big day tomorrow. There's execution, there's managing unexpected events during execution, and then there's project closeout, okay? Lower tier threat actors are just spraying wherever they can and hoping they get something. It's very, very unorganized and frankly, unprofessional. But again, it's crime. It's crime. But even though it's crime, it's still a business. Just like malware, it's just software, okay? Crime is still a business at this level. And you know that they did all sorts of prep. I bet you they did like a month or two of preparation. Okay, guys. Like, listen, we're going to hit these ones on September 11th. It's going to be a big day. Get your rest. Here's how we're going in. You know, Dimitri, you're responsible for this. Casually, Joseph, you're responsible for that. They probably had like a PM or a team lead who was like running. Like, you know, you got the operators on the keyboard and then you got someone walking behind them. Um, maybe they weren't doing reports to some central command. But my point is... When you think of these threat actors at the pro level, at the top tier execution level, you need to treat them, frankly, with, you have to respect their craft because they are highly motivated, highly sophisticated, and they're highly effective, okay? And this is why I say with ransomware, hey, Mono Julian, when I say with ransomware, you're not protecting from ALF V or Lockbit, you need to put in Fundamental protections around ransomware type behaviors, EDR, good detections, um, solid backups, tabletop exercises, uh, spinning up your business continuity plan, talking with the business about how long can you be down, where are critical assets, etc. Privileged access management, making sure misconfigurations don't happen, okay? And then you need to actually look at your response capabilities and make sure that those are solid, right? If Kevin, who's your IT manager, is on vacation, does um, does Divine Dream Divine know how to restore from backups, right? It's easy to say, oh, restore from backups. Yeah, that's fine in a vacuum. Do you have the permissions to open the backups? Do you have permissions to log in to the system? Do you know which backups to restore in which order? Has anyone tested the backups? Are they still being done? I can't tell you how many times, and it's been it's been a minute since we did tape backups, okay? But dude, there's been times where like crap goes sideways and you go to restore from tapes and the tapes have just not been working for months because the tape broke or it filled up and they didn't set it to uh, roll over on old data or whatever. The devil is in the details. And if you don't walk through it in an exercise, those details will absolutely flame your butt when you actually need it to happen, okay? Finally, don't take any crap from IT people or from the business. Like when you set up a tabletop exercise or something, you need to convey to them upfront, 
the value of the exercise. You don't just roll out the exercise because they don't know the value. And why I say that is because you'll get like snippy answers like, oh, I just restore from backups from IT people or the business people, you're going to get this. Which is, I'm not listening to you. I'm doing work that I care about because I don't care about this because I don't see the value. Okay, okay. Okay, okay? Okay. <laughs> Ace Ventura dolphin reference. Okay, let's keep rolling. China accuses the U.S. of hacking Huawei. Huawei. China's Ministry of State Security released a post on WeChat claiming that a U.S. government agency infiltrated servers at Huawei dating all the way back to 2009 and operating surveillance since then. China's National Computer Virus Emergency Response Center claims it recovered U.S. spyware called Second Date while investigating a cyber attack against Northwestern Polytechnical University in Xi'an last year. The agency claims the U.S. NSA operates Second Date, using it in operations across several countries. All right. I was, I was defending my honor from BSEC about tape backups. Brah. Like, come on. It's just a good example. All right. All right. Uh, another Huawei story again, uh, whatever. So first world power accuses other first world power of espionage. <laughs> like, welcome, welcome to <laughs> reality. All right, guys, whether or not, like, here's the thing. I almost feel like this is a, uh, you know, managing crisis, proactive response. The United States has accused China for years of espionage and baking in back doors. We saw the super micro story, uh, I think back in 2014, 2015, um, around um, the hardware back doors on the devices that was, Bloomberg reported on that. That was never substantiated, by the way. That was a huge story in our industry. A lot of professionals came out and, and voiced concern around that. Uh, the Huawei uh, story that we just heard earlier in the stream about um, this one, chips, Chinese-made surveillance chips, right? All these things. Um, this is just, whether or not the United States is doing it or not, they probably are. China's probably doing it. This is just a lot of finger pointing and like, you know, fist shaking. Like, I, there to me, like, there's this is just posturing, right? Back channels, NSA, federal, you know, Department of State people, they all know what's going on, right? We'll see what's up. All right, guys. We're at 8.57. That's going to do it for the news today. Um, again, let me find the one I need. Guys, if you were here just for the news, thank you so very much. Tracy Johnson, enjoy that GRC master course. I hope you love it. I, I've, I, I really put a lot of effort energy into it, and I'm so glad of the public response I've, I always got. Uh, from all the students in there. Is there anyone paying attention to the history of Huawei? Chrissy K is asking. Guys, I can't do jaw jacking because I got to go teach at the Citadel. But I want to thank all of you again. Um, this show is raw. It's real. And sometimes I have production issues because I do have a wonderful team of mods helping me. Uh, and Eric Taylor jumping in. But when production has hiccups... We work through them. It's business continuity 101. Before we go, we got two things of business to take care of. One, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Uh, Rob Linares is not in chat, so we do need to tag somebody. Um, Sherry, Sherry, I don't know if you'd be interested if you're on LinkedIn, if you'd like to share your story, why you got in here. You have, I know you have an interesting kind of uh, uncommon 
interest in cybersecurity. It'd be kind of fun. Uh, while Sherry replies on that, holy crap, Justin Gold, 17 months, my man. Thank you so much, Justin Gold. Um, thanks, Jess Bishop. I love you too. Simply Cyber loves Jess Bishop. Uh, guys, really quickly, um, I want to say really quickly, 247 of you voted, 91% want Hack the Planet. Johnny Lee Millerhead. So expect that um, coming later today. I, when I get back from teaching, I'll, I'll, I'll put it in there. I've already, I've already made it up. I actually tried to put it in there yesterday and realized we didn't have a slot unlocked. So I'll have to go in and see if I have a slot unlocked. But um, if I do, we'll go for it. All right. Let's see. Really quickly, who wants the baton? Who wants? Yes. All right, so Sherry is going to take the baton. Okay, so Sherry, Sherry, if you can, like the way, here's the thing, Sherry. Just go on LinkedIn, okay? Go on LinkedIn, and the same way you're typing in chat right now, just go on LinkedIn and type the same way into a LinkedIn post, okay? I'm assuming you have LinkedIn. If you don't, um, I, I wouldn't want you to create a LinkedIn account just to post the simply cyber community challenge um so let me know sherry and if and if it if it doesn't work out that's absolutely cool but i i do think uh people in the community would love to get to know you a little bit better i personally would like to get to know you a little bit better um so sherry uh if you want actually you know what sherry let's make this easy okay sherry here's a link to the discord server okay either go on linkedin and post or go on the discord server under the general channel and message like at gerald Dozier or at mods or whatever we will help you we will help you um get this post on like i'll even post it under my account as your simply cyber community challenge post if you don't have a linkedin account all right okay well hey sherry if you if you i, I i'll offer it to you sherry if you don't have a linkedin account I can post it under my account. Perhaps your grandson has a LinkedIn account and he could post it there. Um, Sultan, the Discord link is right here. Um, just let us know, Sherry. We're here to help. Uh, and if it doesn't work out, that's cool. It, it'll be a fun experience uh, one way or the other. All right, guys. Be well. Thank you all so very much. I'm going to go, um, sh you know, educate the, <laughs> the cadets at the mil military college. Be well. And until next time, stay secure, everybody. See you tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts, and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content, and we'll see you in the next one. Come